Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, we're George and James and today we're getting pretentious with Death Grips, the money store. How are you doing, James? Yeah, not bad, George. How are you? Yeah, I'm okay. Still, <laughs> it's not lockdown anymore, but it is still... Sort of lockdown, but not... Yeah. Well, it's not lockdown, but it's still all weird and... For, yeah. Not, not everything's back open up yet. Yeah. Um, for musicians for musicians and filmmakers it might as well still be locked down <laughs> yeah basically yeah uh, so welcome to a, an hour-long podcast of two guys that unemployed. are a bit miserable <laughs> unemployed and miserable come listen to two unemployed people speak about their past endeavors um do you remember when we used to do things george <laughs> i do they were great times now i just listen to music and think about how they did it back in the day when music yeah. was still a thing <laughs> no it's like a uh it's it's the it's like when our when when civilization ends because oh, yeah, it's going to happen you know if yeah. if you know it's either going to happen if donald trump gets president again yeah or if kanye west gets yeah. the presidency <laughs> Then who chance the rapper seems to be really fucking behind Fair. to to be uh president. I'm waiting for he was like Elon Musk. Tweeting like tweeting like mad yesterday about how uh, Oh what? Like how Kanye would make a better president than Joe Biden. Um I mean it, it yeah, it baffles me. I've been trying to I've been getting really into politics during this lockdown and now I'm just like I can't have the only thing in my life right now be politics because that's just too <laughs> depressing. Like, it's a it's a fucking shitstorm in politics right but when, now. When civilization ends, this podcast will be found on a device by Will Smith because he's always the only person to survive an apocalypse. True. And he will find a he will find a phone with our podcast downloaded on it and he'll listen to it and be like, oh, that, I remember when music was a thing. I remember when I remember people... people talking about music. <laughs> like it was an important part of society. Yeah. <laughs> in, in other news, actually, I tell you what, talking about end of societies... And end of people. I've been watching that new Snowpiercer original mm. on Netflix. Um, it's quite accurate, really. Because <laughs> the premise behind it is basically, this isn't spoilers, but there's a the whole world is getting hot. Climate change is hitting hard. So the human race decides to start cooling everything down. They take it a bit too far. 
and now the world is minus 100 degrees centigrade outside. So this man called, I can't remember his name now, Wil, Wilfer, Wilmer, he, um, he built a train that goes around the world and it has an infinite power supply as long as it keeps moving. So there's just the rest of humanity going around on this train with this big old classist system where you've got first class, second class, third class. And yeah, it's just it's a show about that. It's good. I suggest watching it. Ten episodes. Good. Give it a go. Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I here's something I need to confess. I've never seen the film. Ooh. So oh, yeah. it's based on the film. Maybe I'll watch the film. Yeah. And then and then go watch the series. Yeah. I'd, I'd do that. Um but I have had good things about the film. It's Bong Joon Ho, isn't it? Yeah. From of Parasite fame. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need to watch that at some I point? I also need to watch I Parasite. Re- mm, so do I. I've, Still haven't seen that. I've heard good things. I wa- I rewatched uh, Wolf of Wall Street again the other day. Yeah. I don't know why. It's still too long. It's a really but good it, film, but. It is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. It is good fun. Um, although, should it be fun? I don't really know. Because, like... It is a man... He wasn't ex- a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, he is an extortionist. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it is, a, it, it is a fun film. Yeah. Until the end. That's the only bit where it does get dark is like the very end where he like um, hits Margot Robbie when she tells him Mm. she's divorcing him and then like takes the spoilers. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't don't think it works if you say spoilers after you spoil something. But it came out in 2013. So, you know. Yeah, get on board, guys. Get on board. Um, that's the only place where it really gets that dark. Um, would be interesting to see a Wolf Wall Street where it's like really fucking dark, you know. But then I doubt his life was actually that dark until the end. No, that's the thing. Yeah. I think. I think really that is quite accurate. And even now, even now, he's like absolutely fine. Yeah. So. Um. So. Yeah, it's probably is true. It's it, it. He probably just had a great time, like he does in the film, until yeah, until until it fell apart. And now it's gone back to normal. It's fine. Um, yeah. Have you been listening to anything, James? Uh, um, I've only been talking about films. Yeah. I mean, if- it's not a film podcast. <laughs> um. Have I been this? I've enjoy, I've been enjoying the new Fontaine's DC mm. songs that have been coming out. Um, yeah, you need to check them out. They just they just feel a bit more evolved in terms of the production of them compared to their first album. Mm. And it and it's not like a huge leap. It's not like whoa, this sounds like a different band. Yeah, but just like you compare like the way his vocals are mixed compared to like the first album yeah. which is odd cuz um, the first album was pretty big budget anyway yeah 
But I think the first album feels a lot more... I don't want to say raw, because it doesn't feel raw, but like yeah. feels a bit more like they're just in a room playing the songs and then moving on to the next one. Um, whereas the new one feels a bit more... Just a little bit more thought-out production-wise. Still. But it's quite enjoyable. Still quite Irish. Still quite <laughs> Irish. There's no getting past his very, very Irish accent. I don't think of any other Irish outfits. No. With the murder capital, are they Irish? Mm, maybe. Yeah, they were Irish as well. And they came out at sort of the same time. Yeah. Manic Street Preachers are Welsh, aren't they? Yeah. And then Biffy Clyro is Scottish. They've they've yeah, released a very I... cool looking vinyl, in all fairness. Even though I don't like any of the singles they've released. No. They have actually released a cool looking vinyl. They're basically When's the album coming out? Um, has it been delayed? Don't know. Um What's he even called? Biffy Clyro. A celebration of endings out fourteenth of August. Does that mean this is going to be their last album? Probably not. No. I must admit, the, the, the collector's edition box set does look very cool. It's um, 20 pages of special photographs, notes and drawings from Simon. Three 11 by 5 art prints. One exclusive postcard print. Sheet music from the album. Clear and blue yoke vinyl album with bonus track. CD album with bonus track. Ah, uh, it does look nice. <laughs> that vinyl looks that. But they've also nice. released a single of one of the vinyls on a 12 inch that has the music video on the vinyl. I, I can't explain it much better than that. <laughs> um, it's basically it's a picture disc that has little squares of frames and as it spins the frames move like it looks like it's moving like the old school horse in a uh, light boxing it looks pretty cool it's a shame the song's a bit wank but saves the song so bad <laughs> I don't want it but I, I want it now Oh, well, but my partner's pre-ordered Leanne Le Havis's new album on vinyl, which I'm looking forward to. Oh, yeah. That's sounding quite I good. I really like the sound. I think this might be her best album. Obviously, I haven't heard the album, but just from what I've heard, it feels very raw and real and sweet. Yeah. Bittersweet. I mean, that's one of the songs, but it does feel kind of bittersweet. She did a, a colour session of Bittersweet. Yes, that was good as well. Um, which was good. Mm. Yeah, that's that's sounding like it's going to be good. Yeah. Sounding better than Biffy Clyro's going to be. Yeah. Another album that I've been hesitant to listen to is The Streets. I I have I, I'm going to be honest, George. I have absolutely no interest in listening to the new Streets album. But but The Streets, he was he was so good <laughs> back in the day. Yeah, but. The opening track is Tame that Impala. terrible Tame Impala thing, Ugh. which I thought was a, supposed to be a joke, Same. but I, it, apparently not. It's the opening track on the album. 
you know, did you watch that Streets Tate Impala thing and go, is this supposed to be a piss take? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like calling my phone thinking I'm doing nothing better is the first line. Just, oh, just... I don't get it. I'm going to listen to it. It's just... I mean, like the album title says, none of us are getting out of this alive or this <laughs> life alive. I feel like I'm not getting out of that album alive after listening to it. I don't know. Maybe it's good. It's got good reviews. We'll see. I'll let you know next time. Next week. I mean, when was the last good street sound? Um, <laughs> when? To be fair, he hasn't done anything since... 2011. I remember liking The Hardest Way to Make an Easy Living and A Grand Don't Come for Free. I, right. But that's 2006 back. <laughs> I yeah. don't remember his 2008 album, Everything is Borrowed. I might have listened to it. It doesn't stick in my mind. And then... Do you feel like there's there's some music that is just sort of caught in its in its time period, in its very specific era, and like unfortunately for that artist, like that's just where they worked. Is that like that's not to say like he wasn't good, but like just a bit like Guns and Roses. Yeah, like he captured that moment yeah in time and it's a bit like if bon jovi tried to release a new album now okay oh, and it's it, it, <laughs> it, if i would assume it would sound like all of their hits it just wouldn't work even though people still love bon jovi i mean i would argue that bon jovi's never works george oh but, but it comes on at a party <laughs> Bon Jovi comes on at a party like ABBA. You just, you all know the words. Oh, we know the words. Just rather not. <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there at the party going, who's put this on? <laughs> that's what I'm doing. That's just you, the whole party. <laughs> yeah, that's just, to be fair. What are parties again? Yeah, I don't remember those. Yeah. We were literally talking about festivals the other day at the pub. It was just like, if you just opened up a field that just set a sign, just put a sign up that says festival in a big field, I think people yeah. would just turn up and make a festival at this point. Yeah. Yeah, we were watching a film called The Festival. Oh, is that that weird in-betweeners spin-off? Yes. Oh, is it bad? It's bad. It's bad. Oh so it's not technically an in between a spin off, no. right? But uh, just in case anyone thought it was. But obviously, uh, Joe Thomas is playing the exact same character as he did in the in between us. Timecast much. And, it, and, it, and it's directed by one of the guys who did the in between us. Yeah. And his ex-girlfriend in the film is Tara from The Inbetweeners who dates him at one point in The Inbetweeners. Yeah, because they're like engaged in real life so I think that's why she was in it. Oh, okay. But, um, but, oh. Oh, it's, it's not good. Yeah. 
It's got so many people I like in it as well, which is really a real sight. Jermaine from Flight of the Concords is in it. Oh, right. Noel Fielding turns up. So a promising um, cast. Yeah. And a promising you know, and I, I, and I like And I like Joe Thomas from The Inbetweeners. Yeah. It's like, you know. Just poorly um, done. Ah, uh, there's not a lot of laughs in a film that's supposed to be <laughs> a comedy. That's definitely uh, more and more common nowadays. A lot of comedies aren't actually that funny. Yeah. We, uh, we were watching Life of Brian on Saturday. Classic. And that's just constantly funny. Yeah. I don't want to sound like one of those people that's just like, oh, back it was in better the day. in the old days. But definitely I was getting that vibe. I was like, oh, films aren't that funny this, these days. I'm not, I'm chuckling life, every 10 minutes. Life of Brian is, I, I, I do feel like it's maybe unfair to compare it to Life of Brian though because Life of Brian is just such like a landmark. Yeah, I suppose it's like film. the silence of the lambs of thriller, like of comedy, like the comparison. Yeah, it's yeah. just like, although I've always, I think, um, Monty Python's The Holy Grail is just just as good as Life of Brian. I haven't watched Holy Grail in a very long time. Life of Brian's always stuck in my head a bit more. Give give Holy Grail uh, like yeah, another watch. It's just it's great. It's so great. And just like I mean, the the ending of Life of Brian is superb. Mm. They're all just crucified and they're singing. How yeah. does it go again? Oh, Always look yeah, on the bright side. Like, yeah. Like, genius. So yeah. It fits perfectly. Yeah, I mean, the best story about that film, before we move on to this week's album, <laughs> Death Grips, yeah. is that George Harrison pretty much put up all the money for the film. Really? As in George Harrison from yeah. the Beatles. Um, on Because they couldn't get funding for it. So George Harrison put up all the money um, basically just because he wanted to see the film. I love it. <laughs> that was the only reason. And I wonder how much money he got back from the film. Yeah, probably fair probably bit. made money. Well, the budget was four million. Is that it? George Harrison put up three million. Yeah. And they got a box office of twenty point two million. So that's not bad, and it's continued. That's since. in that's in uh, nineteen seventy nine money. Yeah. You know, so yeah, that's good though. Yeah, it's funny that that's pretty much how right. they how much they made twenty eight days later on. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, Death Grips, the Money Store, and mm. uh, this is an album that is. One in its own, really. There's not much like it. No, it's sort of appropriate for our mood this week, isn't it, really? Yeah. If you haven't listened to The Money Store, it's quite angry. <laughs> I mean, I actually watched a couple of interviews and they, the Death Grips, especially the singer or the rapper, I don't know what you call what he does, um... He kind of said, like, I don't write angry music. 
I write music that's true. Yeah, because um, I don't know if we're getting too quickly into it, but um, I watched uh, Anthony Fantano's The Needle Drops yes. review of it, and he said something quite interesting about how, you know, the, the album, you know, it's uh, as a lot of uh, hip-hop music is, it's about violence. And, yeah. But... Um, he made quite a good point that the album like actually sounds violent like and it it, it talks about yeah. violence um you know and some hip-hop music will talk about violence but the the beats are all glossy yeah. and the production's all nice and so it feels like it's like a counterpoint i don't know yeah. glorifying is the wrong right word but like it feels like it's sort of like showing off in some way whereas this feels more like well, i suppose the hard reality of like what he's talking about i suppose this is where the whole stereotype of like white jewish kids loving hip-hop more than hip-hop artists because it's like <laughs> it is glossed up and served on a platter in the right style that higher classes are used to Mm. and then it's talking about how people are getting shot at in ghettos and stuff this is music that sounds like the words like you said whereas the other way around it was like how can we get people higher up the money chain to actually listen to us let's make them all glossy and yeah then people might actually listen to it whereas this you'll be hard pushed to get anyone into pop music to listen to this and enjoy it because it's a hard listen yeah i'm not like uh i'm not going to pretend i didn't struggle with it in terms of because i've never listened to death groups before coming into not this at all. no i like i knew of them yeah. you know they're like they're one of they're those infamous. things that like <laughs> i've definitely heard of them i may have i may have seen like clips of them performing or something yeah but um because i i feel like i definitely recognize um, um what's his name mc them. yeah MC ride ride yeah. is it but i don't think i've ever actually listened to their music so it's quite a like hit around the head when you first listen to it yeah definitely it's a bit like swans in that respect you sort of have to like uh, a bit like the Swans record we listen to, you sort of have to like tune yourself in, I think. Yeah, you have to kind of, you have to switch off from necessarily enjoying music and rather mm. understanding music. It's like a different yes. mindset. Because it's like, yes, you can go watch a film about a war like Saving Private Ryan or Dunkirk and it does feel violent but it also is still quite nice and then you watch a documentary about war where they're on the front line and you're like this is filthy this is disgusting like Mm. they are literally covered in dirt and shit and getting shot at by real bullets that's what this album is and Death Grips in general is genuinely like there ain't no fancy hollywood team behind them this is a camcorder gorilla radio like let's go on the front line let's do it 
Yeah. And to be honest, I think it's actually harder these days to record an album like this. Like, how would you approach this album in a studio? Because there is a lot going on. And you have to record mm. it. But it's also only three guys. I also can't really imagine them in a studio setting. Yeah. You know, I'm sure, you know, I'm sure sure they have been in a studio to record this, but it feels more like um feels like more like they've recorded it at home. Just in like not in the terms of like the way it like that's not saying it in like a it feels cheap or like not well produced or anything, but just like because there's such an energy to it. Yeah. The idea of like the idea of the three of them like turning up to a studio, you know, signing in at the yeah. door, uh, like you know, walking, you know, being taken to their studio that they've hired, you know, sitting down with a producer. I just can't imagine any of that. Cause it is like, hard to imagine. But is that does that make it more impressive than say anyone else, pretty much any other musician getting into a studio? And just making an album, like actually being able to go into a studio, make an album and make it sound like it wasn't done in that studio. Mm. It's a bit like... Yeah, know. and like the fact that they can turn that on. Yeah. Is is pretty impressive. Someone needs to make because... that into a plug-in for software. The Def Grips plug-in. <laughs> yeah. Just all your music suddenly sounds fucking violent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> literally sounds violent like a is the word yeah it for for this music like yeah it's not angry i don't think i think angry is the wrong term violent is a much mm. better term angry is eminem yeah like literally like shouting perverse terms and this isn't necessarily actually angry eminem topics. feels like when it, when eminem feels angry yeah because he's got some of that, you know, nice, glossy sort of production, mm. it feels like it feels like Eminem sitting you down and being like, let me explain to you yeah. why I'm pissed off. Yeah. The mon uh Death Grips in the money store feels like you're out um in London, well, anywhere, not in, in London, not yeah. in London, because they're obviously they're from Sacramento. But like you're out in a street in the middle of the night, and it's fucking kicked off, yeah. and someone's in your face telling you, like, yeah, why they're pissed off and why it's about to get heavy. That's that's what this feels like. It is literally, yeah, me. it's the representation of a bad night out in a city where things have just got out of hand. <laughs> and you sort of get that from the album artwork yeah. for this album. Like, they, they've sort of got, like, it's a, for anyone who doesn't know, it's a drawing um, of, uh, by a by a artist called... Suya Yu, 
Um, and it's it's sort of like that. It's like two characters, and they're sort of in like fetish gear. Yeah. And one of them's got like a dog mask and a leash with a le- a leash, and they've got like death grips carved into their chest. Um, and then the other is like a woman who's holding the leash, and she's in not very many clothes, smoking a fag. Um, and it it feels that it's got that sort of. I think my favorite thing about the artwork that makes it represent this album so well is that you see it initially, you get this very, oh, that's like the weird part of the world, like this fetish gear, people Mm. on leashes, people self-harming. But then he's got a grocery bag and she's smoking a cigarette, leaning up against a wall, basically. Yeah. If you kind of realise that the black section behind the woman is actually a wall and it's actually daylight, you kind of realise like, oh, this is just people oh. after a night out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hadn't seen it like yeah, that. Yeah, it is literally just two people who have had a, a night out and it's their day-to-day they've gone life. To a fetish. Yeah. yeah, they've gone to a fetish party and, it, and the sun's coming up. So they're picking up some groceries and having a cigarette on the way home. Yeah, Tesco's just opened. It's like seven o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And they're they're on their way home. Yeah, I like that. I I hadn't seen that. And it kind of shows you, like, this album is... It's not necessarily an... It's not trying to tell you what that life is like. It is literally an observation and a showcase of what that life is. If that makes sense. Yeah, I I think it's like... For however long this album is, 41 minutes, it's like plunging you into yeah it's it's almost document it's like you said about the war documentary yeah. uh, comparison it's almost documentary like in the in the sense of like it's taking you into this world for 41 minutes yeah. and and <laughs> you're not you maybe you're probably not going to understand it yeah it takes a but i mean you're looking at it from the outside that's why um i remember hearing in an interview that um MC Ride was like, we need to make sure we put the lyrics into like the album booklet, booklet and stuff. Because he was like, sometimes I can't even hear my own lyrics. <laughs> um, but the lyrics are important. But he also didn't want it. He still wanted to kind of sound like a crazy manic man and not have to worry about necessarily getting the mm. lyrics audible. But the lyrics are still important, which is a weird concept. It's like, I'm a singer, I sing you words that you're meant to understand, but also the character, the character that he's portraying, he's not allowing the words to hinder his actual Mm. performance, which is a weird, I've never really heard of that. I I do get it. Because if you could hear every word... He wouldn't. He wouldn't feel like that weird guy that comes up to you on a night out, rambling at shit at you out of nowhere. Yeah, he kind of needs to keep that persona. But I can see why he also wants you to read the lyrics. Yeah, 
Because because when you actually do read the lyrics, it's like these are really well written. Yeah, he's a, he's a massive <laughs> but poet. It is it is really hard sometimes to actually hear what he's saying, and and you just sort of think, well, that's kind of the point. Mm. Well, it's like some um, of the drum breaks as well in this whole album. Genius, like fascinating stuff, and some of the like kind of weird displaced chord movements that they do. And time signature changes, all really clever, but they purposely make it so fast and just like an explosion on your brain that mm. it, it it's. I mean, metaphorically, it's like on a night out, you still got all of these things that are really nice. Like you go into a club, and the building looks nice, the architecture is beautiful. The drink you're drinking is made with such care by some barman that's had years of training and they're passionate about it. And the music you're listening to has had hours of work poured into it and the DJ is extremely skilled and talented. But when you chuck it all together with the drugs and the alcohol, it's chaos. But there is still mm. beauty in that chaos. Yeah. You've just got to not feel like your brain's about to explode to actually understand it. <laughs> It's quite a nice way of putting it, really, that if you listen to this album, because uh, on first listen, it's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. Like, there's just... And and actually, if you think about it like that, where you've just got to, like, think of it like you're pissed out of your mind <laughs> and you just have to focus on something. Yeah. And I think that allows you then to it, listen then to it, it loads then that's, well. Yeah, then that suddenly... I mean, I wonder what this album we like... And I'm sure you might be able to answer this, George. Mm. Um, what this album is like when you're pissed? Have you listened to this when, when you feel, have I you listened to the parties? Actually, on? no. I see. I had this image of you and Jake <laughs> um, at our post party, listening really to Death Grips. Yeah. I don't know if it's a right album to listen to when drunk. No, I mean I, I think, think it, it might send you down there. Yeah. Down a spiral. Yeah, like dangerous ballpark. I mean, especially, not even drunk, like, especially if you'd have taken some. Uh, yeah, if you'd taken pills some illegal substances. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, like this is an album for sober experiences. But then I don't know about live. Live, you see the audience and they are all very rowdy. Yeah, but I suppose in that instance, you are in the world that they are creating. In I suppose the you stop album. being the observer and you become the a participant. Yeah. yeah, but then is that what all gigs are? Like, I don't know. Is that is that maybe why some gigs are more enjoyable than others? Because if you still feel like an observer at a gig, I'm thinking kind of like your Red Hot Chili Peppers, Beyonce, Taylor Swift. Mm. You can film those gigs, put them on YouTube or Disney Plus or wherever you want to put them and it still feels kind of the same. It's kind of like, yeah, this is still a gig. But when you actually make a world of the music and actually the live performance then becomes a reality... 
Yeah, I think uh, I think it does depend on like generally, and it's not always the case, mm. but like generally, the 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 size of the venue often dictates that. Yeah, true. Like if you're in an arena, it's hard not to feel anything but the observer. I think that's still relative to how the performer does the show, though. Yeah, because I say that, but I felt very involved in the Childish Gambino yeah. gig. And I was the f- highest tier you could be at at the O2, yeah. which any other gig I'd have been like, Ugh. fuck this. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I think that's an issue that I actually have with a lot of larger gigs. Like, obviously more expensive to hire the venue but all that musicians seem to do when they play at a large venue is just get a bigger sound system and maybe two or three more dancers but in reality you have all of that space like even you two did that whole walkway in the air Mm. where they had their music videos playing on the walkway while Bono and stuff walked up and down it. Mm. And then you've got Lady Gaga for like the Super Bowl and stuff. Whereas that whole massive drone. Yeah. yeah. Like that's what should be done for large arena gigs. That's why I refuse to go see someone like Arctic Monkeys at the O2 because it's just going to be five or six guys on the stage. It's like, no, you yeah. Because the thing about um, Childish Gambino was that it it felt like a really thought out show. Yeah, um, it then makes it feel worth like paying fifty, sixty quid. Yeah. Whereas, yeah, if you've got to see a band, I mean, the one that I mean, I, I like. I, listeners to the podcast will know i love this band but the one that pissed me off was war on drugs Mm. being at the o2 yeah because and as good as they were and they were very good they're just not why are they at the o2 also there's yeah they hadn't sold they hadn't sold it out because they were big bits of the top tier that just kind of closed covered up so they hadn't sold it out they're just they don't do anything else other than play the songs. And they play the songs brilliantly, but then I want to see that in a venue more conducive mm. to just listening to the music. Also, they don't seem like a band that wants to play loud. They're more sonically and acoustically aware. Mm. Or at least I thought so. That's what, yeah, that's why I think the perfect, like, London venue for War on Drugs would be somewhere like the Royal Albert Hall. Yeah. Because you can still have standing seat, uh, standing space yeah. for people who want to stand. But also, you know, the War on Drugs are kind of a sit down and nod your head band as well. So there's plenty of seating mm. at the Royal Albert Hall. Like, sonically, it would work so much better for them. Yeah. And then they don't have to do anything spectacular, mm. you know, with... Uh, yeah, I don't think they need to do space. anything spectacular with space, a band like that. No. But then use a beautiful sounding space. 
I yeah. wouldn't expect Death Grips to play in the same venue. No. But I want to see Death Grips yeah. in a grimy Shoreditch or Camden nightclub. Yeah. Or a old pub. Yeah. Somewhere that just feels it needs to feel dirty. <laughs> dirty and slightly dangerous. Yeah. yeah. Because that I mean that is the music, so that's how it feels like it should be. Because you want to leave a Death Grips gig, you want to leave the building and see the album artwork in real yeah, life. In, in the, the street. You want to see yeah. those people standing outside having a fag afterwards. Yeah. That's well, what you like want. You wouldn't go to a thriller film at the cinema and think, oh, I do really like thriller films, but I don't like getting scared. So I don't want to be scared of walking home after watching a thriller film about kidnappings. It's like, no, you do want to feel scared. That's the whole point. Yeah. That means it's done yeah. its job. Yeah. Um, have you actually tried listening to any other Death Grip stuff? Not yet. Mainly because I was sort of getting my head around... Yeah what I thought about the money store. I have heard a lot of good things about ex-military, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't it's seem to be Spotify, on Spotify. It's not Spotify because it's actually a mixtape. Ah, but I have heard a lot of good things about that. Yeah. Um, and I have watched some of their music videos, I think for stuff that uh, is, is more recent. Yeah, I. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm also slightly on the same page as you. As I, like I haven't ventured far from this album because it's there is so much to understand of it. Mm. Like each, you can't just really listen to a Death Grips album and be like, "Oh yeah, that's good." It's like, no, I need yeah. to get into this, understand it's it. It's the, it's the most work I've had to put into an album we've done on this podcast apart from swans but swans was like more of a time commitment because yeah. that was like two and a half hours long whatever yeah, that was long. And, you know you've got to set aside some time for that um this is the most work i've had to do in terms of like listening to it and and because i do think I'm, i've evolved from this like now but when you first listen to Death Grips, I think it's hard not to be like, oh, Jesus too much, Christ. Too much, overload. Too much, like, let's stop. Um, and you've got to sort of, like, person. Which, again, coming back to this analogy mm. we keep coming back to about the world it's creating, I think it's the same that if if someone put you into that world in, like, a physical yeah. space... Get me out, get me out. It would be like, get me out, get me out, get me out. Uh, you'd have to sort of like assimilate yourself a bit and you have to sort of, mm. you know what I mean? Like just understand it a bit kind more. of hold your own hand through it almost. Like I slowly ease I mean, yourself I've in. Cer- I've certainly, you know, been to some clubs in the East End of London when I first moved yeah. to London that I felt as a, as a, you know, as someone who probably led quite 
sheltered innocent a yeah. sheltered existence like before i moved to london yeah, I, mean, I, like, the same, I yeah. went to, i went to a private school in bristol yeah. you know and obviously i'd been out on nights out but it's in the center of bristol right so it's like it's very yeah. different to uh to suddenly when you when i got to film school uh met some people who had been like londoners for years for for years and then they take me on a night out and you're like okay now what's going on here like what's what is this yeah and there's and it takes you a while to like yeah just feel comfortable and be like oh yeah actually i know what's going on here well that's the weird thing isn't it because like you go out for a night out and you're like what the fuck is going on and your mates looking you're like oh this is normal mate and you're like yeah well i guess i'm safe then this is okay. Yeah. And that's kind of this album as well. Probably with me telling you that this is a really good album and you see like Needle Drop doing a 10 out of 10 review. It's like, yeah. Okay. So I am safe. This album's not going to destroy me, but <laughs> yeah, but it is violent. <laughs> this is uncomfortable, but there must be something to it. And then it, and then it starts to, the more you listen to it, a bit like being, on that night out, it's kind of like the the second, the third time you revisit mm. it, you sort of know you, you know the game a bit more. You know, you know, you know what's going on a bit yeah. more. And it, it it never. I don't think this album ever starts to become normal. <laughs> uh, yeah, the feeling I get when listening to this album is quite similar to when you're really drunk at a party or on a night out and you just kind of, you suddenly become aware of what what's happening. Like you realize how debilitated your senses are. Like you have no control over what's going on at all, but you suddenly realize that everything is happening around you but also nothing to do with you. And you're kind of stood there smiling, mm. just like, oh, I feel great. I feel shit, but also great at the same time. So when I'm listening to this, I just have a constant grin on my face of just like, oh, this is a weird feeling and I like it. Yeah, because I think um, sometimes when you're like really drunk. You just feel free. You know out of your mind well but i think there's a there's there's like a tipping point isn't mm. there there's like a there's like a stage where you can try and like fight yeah. it yeah and you're like i'm not that drunk you know yeah. i'm fine and you try you know you're trying to be uh cognizant and like Still just like how conversations you, and stuff yeah um and it's not working yeah. and that's a bit like when you first listen to this it's like i know yeah i can i can figure out what's yeah. going on I, and then actually when you sort of sit back and go, I'm not going to try and figure out what's going on. I'm just going to let it, let it o like wash over me in this sort of mm. cacophony of noise yeah. that you then start to feel like you're, you're becoming part of it in a way. Like just and sort yeah, of. And it just then just washes through you and over you and you're just like, yeah, you get it. You're like, all right, yeah. I don't have control over it just gotta enjoy it yeah yeah this album really puts a smile on my face now when i listen to it i mean almost like like i know 
MC Ride says how important the lyrics are. And if you do read into them, they are they are pretty great. But I almost and this sort of does a disservice to like him by saying that I, I almost don't want to know what they say. But I almost quite like being sort of like, what's he is he saying? What's he saying there? Mm. I don't know. Oh well. You know what I mean? It's a it feels like quite a similar to experience to what I would imagine seeing people speaking in tongues at churches and stuff would be like. Mm. Or like probably more what it feels like to speak in tongues. Just that pure not loss of control, but just allowing yourself to just be so open-minded that you just let everything just wash over all in one go. I don't know. It's There is no... I've not found an album like this that gives me that mm. same feeling or understanding of just pure... I don't even... It's hard to put a finger on what it is exactly that they've captured with this album. It's almost, yeah. Do you think, just, do you think, like, the album gets easier as it goes on? Or do you think that's, like, just your ear adjusting? Because I feel like the last track, Hacker, is kind of just like a, Almost like a very easy to listen to dance tune. You know what I mean? No, I think it's still pretty violent. Okay, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's because I get there. By the time I get there, maybe my ears have attuned to it. So I'm a bit more like, yeah, I'm there. Whereas the opening tracks, I'm I'm adjusting again. It is the longest track on the album. I don't know. I think because you get a few... Because... Fuck that and bitch, please. Are both very short and they're they're fucking in your face. Yeah, especially bitch, please. It has no it has no structure really. <laughs> Maybe I find hacker easier because it's it's got that driving yeah. beat through it, and it just sort of like it does have a, a bit of structure this album is definitely well structured even though it doesn't feel like it is it's weird i still think actually i think you can revisit this album a hundred times and still not fully understand it oh yeah i still don't have i mean i'm i'm quite impressed that we've spoken about it for so long because i when we were coming into this i was like i don't know what i'm going to say yeah because I thought I had no understanding of it, and I still don't. I think that's the point, though. But, yeah. Which makes a nice change for now. I Like, I get why people hold it in such high regard. I can also understand why people hate it. But I also think, right, like, you get... Um, I mean, first of all, would, would, would you call this... I think, well, I, w- I would call it hip-hop, but it's on the very... I think I think because hip hop has become so mainstream, yeah. You associate hip hop with different things, but like this is like proper underground hip hop. Um, what with a with a bit of like just 
industrial, I don't know. There's like, there's all sorts of different things going on. But I think my best way of describing it would be industrial punk hop. Okay, we'll go with that. Industrial punk hop. Um, But (laughs) the, (laughs) the thing we were talking about earlier when we were talking about we were talking about like Eminem or, yeah. you know, uh, Jay-Z or, you know, any of those sort mainstream of hip-hop. Uh, mainstream hip-hop artists. Because um, you just said you don't think you'll ever fully understand this record. Yeah. Which I think... Like, do you think that's almost better in a way for this kind of genre? Because... He's talking about something. MC Rai is talking about something. You know, he's 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 talking about there's personal experience mm. there. And like I've never lived that yeah. life that he is describing. Right? Mm. Equally as I've not lived the life that uh Eminem describes when he talks about growing up in Detroit or uh, is it Detroit? It is Detroit. He's yeah. from, isn't it? Um, or, you know, I don't, I haven't lived the life of, you know, Jay-Z or, you know, but mm. is it, in a? but those are, those mainstream artists make those songs so much more accessible yeah. that you almost feel like you understand it just because you can understand the yeah. song. And is it almost better in a way that you can't understand this record? Because why should I understand? Because I I can't understand it. It's a bit like when we talk at the moment that, you know, there's the whole Black Lives Matter movement going on at the moment and how, you know, I as a white person won't be able to understand racism in the same way that a black person who has experienced racism will yeah. be under, able to understand it. And like, I shouldn't then presume to be able to understand it. Yeah. So in a way, is it sort of better that with an album like this and the, the things that he's talking about, it's like, I can't understand that. Mm. So it's almost better that I can't understand it, it in the music either. Better, they've done a better job of like replicating what they aim to do if we can't understand it if that makes sense Be- yeah because if, if i felt i feel like if i if i met mc ride and was like oh uh i'm a big fan of of the of the money yeah. store and, and he, he'd be like oh you know i'm sure it'd be very nice yeah, and he'd be like thank you very much but if if i then said to him you know and i really understand what you're saying yeah. be like <laughs> in the song he'd be you, like no you, you don't like, really you grew up in a town in britain as a white guy you you don't get yeah. it like we yeah. don't understand the gun crime and the violence that goes on in neighborhoods in back end america it's like you, you yeah. can't understand that it would be like trying to say that you understand how Francis Bacon felt when he was doing all of his Pope paintings and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. a gay guy who fought in the wars and then was completely 
pushed aside by all of his peers. Oh, yeah, I get that. I get you. Yeah, I'm there. Yeah. It's like, no. But you can still look at his paintings and go, the the ferociousness and the rage of it, I can, yeah. I can observe and I can see it. And the fact that I can't understand it makes it so much more special and real. And mm. yeah, it it puts it at such a milestone in creativity. Yeah, and that's not to criticise the artists that do make it more accessible no. and mainstream, because you know, I, I, there's got to be a spectrum yeah, exactly. of these things, right? And like, you've got to have things that because without making accessible and easier to understand music mm. then we wouldn't understand it in any way because we would never have it presented yeah. to us and easy to you know that the, the fact that hip-hop is so big as it is i think says something about yeah um well i you suppose know, you but, could argue so you've got your your damien hurst putting diamonds on a skull kind of showcasing the point of the value we put on life that's your jay-z's your kanye west's like they're really jeweling up their dark black history mm. and kind of going look this is this is kind of the financial attack that you've done on our society but we're glossing it up for you and then you've got your kind of your your francis bacon's and there was a Swedish artist we were talking about the other day, um, creating really dark, hard to look at pieces of art that represent it very truthfully, but are not accessible. That's death grips. You need that scale mm. though, because if you don't have yeah. the diamond skull that people think is beautiful, they'll never actually go and look at the dark, twisted art. Yeah, because. Death Grips isn't going to be the artist that people get into first. No. There, there might be for some, but I think it's unlikely. Um, yeah. So you need you 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 need the others as almost as like a uh, a gateway into yeah all the other stuff, and that's you know that's how. Well, this is like in the same way that going out and drinking and taking drugs is an escapism from the society that we've built they're like we've been trying to build this world that we all want to live in and enjoy but yet we still feel the need to go out and lose control get drunk get high whatever that's mm. what this album kind of encapsulates it's like it's almost asking you not to listen to this album on a daily basis it's like, yeah. this is not a good album to listen to every morning before you go to work. But <laughs> no. when you're in the place that you feel like you need it, it's there. Go mm. let go of it or stop listening to that Taylor Swift. Like I could actually picture listening to a Taylor Swift album then listening to this would actually be quite almost Moorish. It'd be like the two opposite ends of the <laughs> spectrum. It'd be like... Well, because I would imagine, right? Yeah. So I'm looking at these characters on the album artwork again. And because uh, it is it is great. Like the album artwork is brilliant. But 
I could imagine these two have just been to a death grips yeah. gig and they're standing outside <laughs> afterwards and now they're going to go and get on the tube and they're going to put their headphones in and they're going to listen to some Taylor Swift on the way yeah. home. That, that's what I'm imagining I, now. I would enjoy the four that. Like, it'd be like um, going out for like a McDonald's but then just picking up a dessert from like the shard on the way home or something just popping in for a quick dessert yeah. and a glass of champagne at the top of the shard picking up a mcdonald's on the way back or something just like well because like so these two on the on the cover yeah. it feels like you you never see like and even when there's like even when you see like documentaries on mm. the tv about people who are in, engaged <clears throat> in in sort of like the BDSM world or like the fetish scene or whatever, you never then see them just like day to day at their normal job. And like, just, you know what I mean? It's, it really, they always isolate that. Like, yeah, they feel like other, like, you know, to, but actually like these people in this cover are going to go back. uh, This is a Saturday night. And then on on Monday, they're going to go back to their job. And no one will know they any have different. They left early because they want to go watch I'm a Celebrity or something. <laughs> exactly. Like, don't judge. Ain't no one yeah. judging. This album doesn't judge. It doesn't... Anyone can listen. Like, it feels accepting to everyone. It doesn't judge mm. anyone. Everyone's been at a point in their life that is this album. Yeah. Yeah. You may not understand it. But it will definitely make you feel something that feels relatable. Yeah. And that's and that is like how you know something has worked. Mm. Because you know, if 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 I can get something from this record, you know this record has worked because even me, who has a completely different life to the life in the out al- in the mm. album, I still get something from it, and I still there's just still a familiarity in some way. Yeah. Um, I might actually but, like now go and listen to like the most poppy album. Like I might go listen to 1989 Taylor Swift, and then listen to this straight away yeah. after. And just see how it makes me feel. <laughs> I want to go for a nice proper steak meal somewhere and then go eat some chicken McNuggets. That is my plan. And then what the listeners should do is go listen to 1989, then listen to our podcast on 1989. Yeah. Then go listen to Death Grips and then come and listen to yeah. this one. As like a as a double yeah, bill. Boom boom. That's four hours of your day sorted. Yeah. What else are you doing? If you like us, if you're a musician and you like us, you've probably not got much better to do. So educate yourself. (laughs) Educate yourself on the ways of the death grips. Would you, I'd like to go and see them live now after listening to this album. Yeah, and I would like to be very drunk for that. I think I'll need to be so I can take a few elbows to the face and not feel it. Oh yeah, you're going to (laughs) get, I feel like you're going to get beaten up. I bet, oh, pardon me. I bet people will still be really lovely, though. 
it will be one of those things i've always said that i've been like the heavier the music the nicer the people the nicer the yeah. audience like i've been to some quite heavy rock bands and you would think this is where you're going to get beaten up trampled <laughs> and, and in in like a in like a sweaty venue and actually it's where everyone's bloody lovely make sure you can see properly before moshing yeah. and then like you know like it just those are the actually the friendliest gigs yeah. and the the gigs that you don't expect are the ones that are like Your taylor swift's billy eilish <laughs> taylor swift's. it all kicks off at a taylor yeah. swift gig everyone wants to touch taylor swift apparently <laughs> ah not surprised yeah. anyway i think i think we're um <laughs> on that yeah. note everyone wants to touch taylor swift thank you for <laughs> listening uh thank you for listening to the uh podcast if you like what you hear then uh do subscribe on whatever podcast uh app you are on uh share us with your friends follow us on our social media channels in the description of this podcast and join us next time when we shall be talking about george arcade fires the suburbs Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. Goodbye. Bye.